telling you, I hope the thing that you heard, uh, among many things, is that to be married is to be in a fight for that relationship. If, if you're married and you're, and you're married well, and, and you realize you're better together, now, now you got to fight to keep that marriage better together. And, and it's going to be an ongoing battle till death parts you. But, but knowing how to fight that fight and what it requires is crucial. That's why we've been in this series. Today we finished this series that we've been in. We're talking about a husband and wife are better together. And uh, if you've missed any of these sermons, they're online, they're on Facebook, they're on the app. You please download them, share them. We've gotten great response. Different lives have been impacted. And so we, we really want to continue to make this available. But today as we, as we finish this up, I, I want to remind you again what, what this is about. What, is, what makes marriage? It's when a person says, it's not going to be about me anymore. It's going to be about the we. i got to go from me to we. And, and when we do that, there's this tremendous blessing of strength, of comfort, of sustainability in life. And that's pictured and explained in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I've used this scripture. I hope that you guys have gotten this scripture. I hope that you're putting up in your home somewhere. I hope that you will hang on to this text. This is a biblical marriage. It's what it looks like. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, two lie together, they keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. This is what biblical marriage is, what a Christian marriage is. A three-fourth cord is not quickly broken. It's a three-four. It's a it's a it's a threefold cord. It's a man and a woman with Jesus Christ in the middle, and those three linked together. So it begins with a covenant of grace that that reveals the covenant of marriage. And so when you're under the authority of Jesus Christ, having been redeemed from your sin and given eternal life, you can now live in Him. And when a husband and wife who love Jesus come together and love one another with the love of Jesus. That, that cord of three strands is not easily broken. But it really does require, and please don't miss this, it really does require a sacrifice of your old life. You really do have to give up your old path and together create a new path. The two become one. Jesus said that. He quoted uh, Genesis, and, and he said this to Matthew 19, said in a whole bunch of other places. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. So the husband, he says, you know what? God has called me to pursue this woman that he made for me, and now I'm proposing to her with her parents' permission, and, and now I'm going to give up my life to be joined to her. And what does she have to do? She has to leave her old life and, and join fast to his wife. So she's got to leave. They've got to be joined together. And the two shall become one flesh. Now, at that moment, friends, that becomes a holy union. What makes marriage holy is that it is given by God. This is not some sociological experiment that we're supposed to change around according to the morals of a certain society or some Supreme Court judge. Not mad. I'm just saying that's not what it is. I'm getting mad, but I'm not going to be. All right? Because you can't change marriage. You can change. Say what you want. It doesn't change reality. All right? And the reality is, marriage is one man with one woman joined together for life, and that makes it holy. Anything else is unholy. It's unholy. 
man and a woman are joined together as God commanded, it's powerful. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Again, this consummation of the parts that God made different for a reason. What therefore God has joined together, let men not separate. This is not meant to be broken. Those who are in Christ, we understand Second Corinthians chapter 5, that we have this, this reconciled life. And we are given the ministry of reconciliation. There is no stronger sense in which the ministry of reconciliation is, is lived out between a husband and a wife. And that happens because of the grace of God. And that's why that three-court strand is not easily broken, because you have in the midst of a husband and wife this ministry of reconciliation given by the ultimate reconciler, Jesus Christ, who is present and powerfully at work in their marriage and in their lives. This is God's will. Now, how do we join in at what God's doing? How can we become a part of, of what God has called us to be? Well, you've got to understand, friends, you've got to sacrifice you got to give up yourself for the other the same way Christ gave himself up for us to make us his own. It was through the sacrifice of Christ that we were made whole with God. And so it is with, with us. And so, so it is with you. As you give up me, as you give up your individual life to serve the other, it becomes we. And that we is better together. And it happens, though. It happens through sacrifice. Sacrifice is a fundamental aspect of the Christian life, and it is a fundamental part of what makes a marriage work. In our text today, we see how it is sacrifice is so crucial to a healthy, godly marriage. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and go with me now to Ephesians chapter 5. We finish this series by finishing this section of Scripture on marriage. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 33. This is Heath Crosby who's going to read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, it's Ephesians chapter 5, and we're in verses 31 through 33. If you would read that for us, buddy. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that at first to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Heath. If you would be seated. Man, Heath, your voice has gotten deep. That is crazy. So funny, I pulled almost every one of his loose teeth when he was a little kid. Remember that? He'd only let the Pastor Jason pull his teeth. Now his voice is deeper than mine. That's terrifying. There's a powerful principle that's at work in the life of a healthy marriage. I want, I want to make sure that you get this. The more you give, the more you get. Part of the reason some of you are not getting a good marriage because you're not giving toward it. Sitting around and complaining is not giving. Giving your opinion is not what I'm talking about giving. It's when we give, it's when we give of our time and our emotion and our energy, we sacrifice what, what makes us comfortable, what we think we want, instead serve the cause of the marriage, of the we, that marriage becomes a powerful thing. But friends, you got to understand, it's sacrifice. What makes a marriage work is sacrifice. And, and, and that's what makes Christianity work. The only way you can become a Christian is because of the sacrifice of God in giving His Son to pay for our sin. And the only way we can receive forgiveness and gain a right re relationship with God is by sacrificing our old life 
and gaining a new life in Christ. It's not about doing things better. It's not about trying to behave. It's about giving up, completely turning away from an old way of life and receiving a new life entirely in Christ. Now, to do that, you've got to repent. So when we talk about salvation around here, we use this model. We use the three circles. And there's a word here that I want, I want to make sure that you get. And this word right here is, is an important word, repent. I hear a lot of, of well-intentioned ministers talking about the forgiveness of God. And God does forgive, but His forgiveness comes when we repent, not when we're sorry, not when we apologize, but when we repent. See, some of you, you, you hurt your spouse, you've blown it, and you're sorry. And some of you are sorry simply because you got caught. Being sorry isn't going to heal the marriage. What brings healing is true repentance. When you acknowledge the wrong, and then you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go a completely different way. I'm repenting. I'm going to repent. It's more than, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm sorry I made you feel unimportant. I'm sorry I haven't done. Okay, that's all great, and that's going to make you feel better. But the only thing that's really going to heal the marriage is your repentance. Is you're saying, not, not only am I sorry, but I will never do this again because I'm dead to that behavior. I'm dead to those words. I'm dead to that attitude. And I'm alive now by, your, by God's grace to love and to give what you need. And so it is to become a Christian. It's not enough to say, God, I'm sorry. No. God says, forget that. It's not about you just feeling bad for a few minutes or a few hours and then feeling better about yourself because you said a prayer. It's a whole way of life. You give up a whole, an old way of life, and you give your life to Christ. And that's the good news. Christ came and gave His life to pay for our sin, to make us holy. Now, what makes the relationship work is that we give up our life to gain a new life in Christ, which allows us to pursue and recover God's design. So, at the heart of Christianity is sacrifice. God came and sacrificed Himself so that we could live. We have to sacrifice our old life and die to it so that we can live. And what makes a marriage work is a man says, I'm done with my old life of being single. I'm done living under the authority of my father and mother. And now I'm going to cling to my wife. And that wife says, okay, you got my dad's permission that I can cling to you. Okay, I'm going to give up my old life under the leadership of my, of my parents. And now I'm going to cling to you and you're going to be my leader as you love me. And that's what makes marriage work. It's sacrificing an old life to gain a new life. Sacrifice is at the heart of what makes it work. Now, and, 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 you know, we get so caught up, and let me warn you, we get so caught up and we get so worried about things that seem important in the, mo- in the moment. God, let me tell you something. A hundred years from now, what's going to matter? Is it going to matter that you had a job title that you wanted? Is it going to matter that you were comfortable and you, that, you, that you experienced all the pleasure you wanted? It's not going to matter. What's going to matter is what you did in obedience to the grace of God to pursue His perfect plan for your life. I don't know if you've ever heard of Eric Little. Uh, Eric Little was a great athlete in the, uh, in the uh, 20th century. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, there was a whole movie made about him called Chariots of Fire. I know it's, a, it's an older movie. How many of you have ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? 
Some of you have not seen this movie. This is a great family movie. Let me encourage you to watch this as a family. There are some lines in this movie that explain Christianity about it as well as anything else. It shows the comparison between a Christian life and a secular life in such a powerful, beautiful way. Please watch this movie. It's about this guy named Eric Little. He was born in China. His parents were missionaries in China. And when he was a teenager, it came time for him to be uh, educated. So he went to Edinburgh, where they were originally from. And so while he was at school, they realized he's a good athlete. So he, he started running and playing rugby, but he's really good at running. He was fast. I love the line in the movie. He said, God made me fast for a purpose. It's beautiful. It's just great. And, and he says, when I run, I feel the, I, I feel the pleasure of God. Sometimes I wish I was Scottish just so I could talk like this. I think my sermons would be better if I spoke like this all the time. Sounds smart or something. But I talk like this, and this is what we're going to do, all right? So this guy, he, he sacrifices. All the buddies are, are having fun, being comfortable, going to school. He sacrifices time and energy, and he gets good, and he starts running. He makes the 24 Olympic team. And there's a problem. He's committed Christian. He runs a 100-meter dash. Well, the 100-meter dash is on a Sunday. Not to be legalistic here, and, I, and, and maybe he was, but he had a conviction, and he said, I can't run on Sunday. And so he was ready to give it all up. He was ready to sacrifice the Olympics for his convictions. Now, in the movie, they make it look like in a matter of days, he just switched and went from running the 100 meters to the 400 meters. That's not how it happened in, in reality. They knew months in advance that this was going to be an issue, and so they made the switch where he was going to go from running the 100 to a 400. You talk about a, a, a sacrifice. There's a big difference between running 100 meters and 400 meters. The other one's a little bit longer, if you can do the math, right? If you want to feel the difference, go out this afternoon, run 100 meters, and then run 400 meters to see which one makes you throw up. If you really run it, you will. I did. I remember I used to run the 100. Believe it or not, I know I'm built for comfort, not for speed. But, but there's a time when I could run, and then someone got sick of that. I had to run the 400, and I ran it for all it was worth, and then everyone saw it after lunch. It was a great day. And we still lost, but it was fun. This dude's going to run the 400. Guess what? He wins the gold. And that's why we have a movie about him, right? Now, the movie ends with him winning gold, but his life didn't end at that point. See, at that point, he became famous. And so he's a famous Christian. So what they do, they put him on the circus. So he's going to speak in all these towns. Thousands of people are coming to hear Eric Little talk about his faith in Jesus Christ and running. And they want him to get in the next Olympics for the 28th Olympics. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm called to the mission field. So this guy sacrifices another gold medal. He sacrifices all of his celebrity. He sacrifices it all to go to China. And he dies alone in a concentration camp serving God. Can I tell you that brother's in heaven right now? And can I tell you, nobody in heaven gives a flying flip that he won a gold medal in the Olympics. You know what they do care about? Is that he sacrificed his life and he lived by his convictions to the glory of God. Now listen, some of you today, you're worried about all kinds of stuff that a hundred years from now is not going to matter a flying flip to you. What's going to matter then is, is what needs to matter now is that you are living for the glory of God. And that happens as you sacrifice. That happens as you say, you know what, I'm going to give up what I want to pursue what God wants. And that's what, that's what being a Christian is, is we, we give that. Now, husband and wife, you can do this better together. 
you can sacrifice together and become more of what Christ called you to be and made you to be. Three things I want you to see quickly in the text this morning is, is this sacrificing together. The first one is this husband and wife can experience the command of marriage. Again, look at verse 31. It's a quotation of, of Genesis, it's a quotation of Jesus. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. How does this work? Amen. Sacrifices his single life to be joined to a woman who does the same, and the two become one. Now, some of you are struggling to do that, and here's why because you don't understand the why. You hear something of the what. Some of you are struggling with Christianity, maybe even your own personal faith, because you hear the what, but you forget the why. You hear, okay, I'm supposed to go to church, I'm not supposed to cuss, I'm not supposed to do this stuff. But do you know why? Do you have a compelling why for your spiritual life? Do you have a compelling why for your marriage? God gave us a compelling why from the very beginning for marriage. Genesis 1, first chapter, verse 28. Look what God said. He made it very clear what the husband and wife were to do, the why. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So there was supposed to be physical intimacy and procreation. It's God's plan in the bond of marriage. And then what did he say? He said, fill the earth and subdue it. That means make it better for everyone else. Take what is and, and cultivate it so that it's a blessing to others. That's everyone's voca, calling. That Latin word, voca, is the word call. Everyone has a call. If you're called to sell insurance, if you're called to clean up after a baby, if you're called to, to make a home, if you're called to, to be a CEO, whatever it is God has called you to do, inside the safety of that covenant of marriage, you have the confidence to pursue your calling and to, to make what God has given better so that others can be blessed. And then the last part is this, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. We're responsible for the culture and the environment. And husband and wife are better together because they understand where physical intimacy is supposed to occur, where life is supposed to come from, where it is best cared for, so that each can fulfill their calling in, in, in life and, and make the world better in, the, in what is supplied and what is served. And, and then finally, by, by loving one another and teaching children to love one another, the society and the culture is blessed. This is the will of God. All of this happens through sacrifice. It occurs when a man says, I'm going to give up me for we. A woman says, I'm going to give up me for we. And inside of that covenant, there's going to be transparency and trust and life and hope and kindness and compassion. Second, sacrificing together, husband and wife can experience the comparison of marriage. Please understand, Paul is not giving a how-to on marriage. He's actually making a theological argument for Christ. So look what he says in verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Understand that in a, in a, in a healthy marriage, as a couple goes from me to we, we understand the mystery of Christ, of his gospel. Christ was revealed in the Old Testament, but not fully understood. From the very beginning, after the fall, Genesis 3.15, God says, I'm going to send one through this woman who is going to crush the head of Satan. It's Jesus. That promise was made on the very first day of the fall through Abraham. Hey, the promise is coming. So God said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. This is my intention. And, and, and in the Gospels, we see Christ has come, but we still, we don't have the full picture. It's not until the Holy Spirit comes and the rest of the canon, the rest of the Bible is written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we, having been given the Spirit of God, can now understand the will of God according to the Word of God 
This is given through the Spirit of God. And so now we are so blessed because we're on the other side of the giving of Christ and the Holy Spirit and His Word so that we can understand what God has done. And what did God do? He sacrificed Himself so that we could have life. And how is it we are to experience life? We are to sacrifice ourselves. Don't miss what happened here. Don't miss the language here. What is, what is marriage? A man leaves his father and mother. What did Jesus do? He left his father's house. Why? To come to the world to provide a sacrifice so that he could be united to his people and people would become one. He came to rescue us, to make us his own. That's what Christ did, and that's the comparison that Paul is making, and that's how we are to live our lives. We're to give up our old life connected with him. Listen, you can't be single and married any more than you can be lost and found. If you are lost and separated from God by your sin, you cannot be saved. But if you've given up your life separate from God, surrendered yourself to Christ, repented of your old way of life, and given Him authority, you're saved. And so it is. If you're married, you've given up your single life. It's no longer about me. It's about we. You've given up that old life. You can't be single and married. You can't be lost and found. You've got to sacrifice one to gain the other. That's what Christ has done for us. That's what we must do for one another. And that's what makes marriage work. Third thing is this. Sacrificing together, husband and wife can experience the complement of marriage. Talked about this last week. I want to. I want to again get to this. Look in verse thirty-three, and please catch this. I'm going to get you to circle and underline something here. Okay. Verse thirty-three says, "However, let each one of you." He's speaking to men. The 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 one there. Each one of you. You might write in your Bible there. That's that's man. That's husband. You are to love. Each one of you loves his wife as himself. What is he to give? His bride? It's not complicated. You are to give, what's the word? Say it out, out loud. It's four letters. It's not custom. Love. That's right. It's the best four-letter word there is. Love. The husband gives love. And then what, look what he says to the bride. And let the wife see that she, what's the word? Respects her husband. Why? Does the, does the wife not need respect? Of course she does. Does the husband not need love? Well, of course he does. But they need it in different amounts. Husbands, please hear me. Your wife needs your love. She needs to hear you say it and show it. Wives, your husband needs respect. He needs to hear you say it and show it. This is what this is what we need in marriage, specifically, most importantly. And so you're going to have to sacrifice your time, your emotion, your energy to give the other one what they need. In our statement of faith in Article 13 of the family, look at what how we describe it. I spoke to you this last week. I'm going to again reference it. We believe that God has ordained marriage to be the union of one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant as they submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Leave it here. This is verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. Check me on it. The first thing he says is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he says, wives submit to So there's a mutual submission, a mutual sacrifice that begins. But then, look what is needed. Go to the second one. Still Article 13. Husbands are called to love and lead their wife. What, is the, what does a wife need? Love and loving leadership. 
What does a husband need? And, and to do it as Christ loved the church. Wives are called to look at this, respect and submit. What do husbands need? They, re- they need respect. And they need a wife who follows leadership. And that's what makes a marriage work. That's how, it, that's why, how you're better together. Now, to do this, you, you've got to make five connections. Now, look, put everything down. I need everybody's hands free. So put all your stuff down. Don't, don't spill. I need all hands free. All right, let's get Pentecostal. Let's see the hands. Let's go. All right, yeah, get them up. Get them up and leave them up. Don't get lazy on me at any point during this illustration, all right? Keep your hands up. All right. Five connections. Now, look, don't memorize these. I tweeted them. I, I put them on Facebook. If you don't have an account, get one, download it, and then delete the account. That's a good word, all right? Five connections. First one, work with me here. Pinkies, spiritual connection. A spiritual connection. Darkness should never be joined with light. A non-believer is never to be married to a believer. Young people, you are not to date a non-believer. There is no place for that. Lead them to Christ. That's what my wife did. Led me to Christ so she could have all of this, right? I don't think that's funny. It's got to be a spiritual connection. Light on light. Christ in Christ. The bond of three, a cord of three strands, not easily broken. When you're spiritually connected, you see the world the same way. Same perspective. Biblical worldview creates the second one. Mental connection. So you're able to talk. And when you're spiritually connected in Christ, and then you have a mental connection, the third connection is just automatic. It's an emotional connection. All right, now hold this up. Get your elbows out. Come elbows, elbows out. Let's go. I need to see this right here. Don't give me praying hands right here. All right, I want to see it. These connections right here, all of your best friends, are. you have these connections with them. Men have with men, women have women. This is, this is, this is what friendship looks like. Spiritual, mental, emotional connection. But then there's one connection. Okay, put them down. What's the universal uh, means of point of saying one? Put it up. Let's go. Put it up. Put it up high. This is a lot of mine. Let's go. One. One finger. Not the middle finger. The pointy finger. One. This is the romantic connection. You are to have a romantic connection with how many people? One. One. Men, you need to ask permission of those who are leadership of a young lady if you can pursue this one connection. And you are to have this connection with how many people? Now, what is romance? Let me tell you. Romance is making the... Uh, why don't you put your... Get it up. Let's go. Put them up. Don't make me call you out. Now you maybe lose my train of thought. We're going to be here another 30 minutes now. Just so I can... We're going to start all over now. I'm just kidding. Romance is making the other person feel as valuable as God already says they are. And you know what God says your value is? That you are worth the blood of God. Wives, your husband can't make you valuable. You already are. Husbands, your wife can't make you valuable. You already are. Husbands, your job is to make her feel as valuable as God says she is. And wives, your job is to make him feel as valuable as God says he is. Now, wives, the way you do that is by showing him respect. Husbands, the way you do that for your wife is showing her love. That romantic connection is what it takes. All right, let's build it up, all right? Hands out. Get Pentecostal. Here we go. All right. All right, now, 
Five connections. Say them out loud with me. The first one is a spiritual, then emotional. I'm sorry, check that. Reverse, start again. I heard someone say emotional, it tricked me up. All right, start again. Hands up. All right. Spiritual, mental, emotional, romantic, and then the last one is physical. So this, you guys, the whole series, you've seen me, why are you putting your hands down? Make this, this is marriage. You've been showing, yeah, I've been doing this the whole series. Because this is marriage. Listen, i got, I got to explain something to you who are not married right now. Listen to me. If you get physical in your relationship, you stall out the spiritual. Because you're not honoring God. Which stalls out the mental. Because now you're not talking from a biblical worldview, which stalls out the emotional because you're not talking about the things you need to talk. And it's not romantic because you're not making the person feel as valuable as God says they are. You're using them, and that's a sin. Husbands and wives, you need to spend your whole life figuring out how to make the other person feel as valuable as God says they are. And when these three happen, the physical is just a matter of fact. Listen, the physical part any animal can do. A physical connection is not going to make a relationship strong. How many of you, if you were falling off of a cliff, would want someone to say, Hey, hang on! Grab my thumb! No! You also don't say, Hey, grab me! No! What do you do? You say, Grab on! Husbands and wives always hold hands like this. Hold hands with friends. Hold hands with husband and wife like this. This is marriage. Husbands and wives, answer a real simple question. This is what your marriage looks like. Spiritual, mental, emotional, romantic, physical connection. Is this what it looks like? It's what it's supposed to look like. Christian, this is what your relationship with God is supposed to look like. Is this what it looks like? See, you've got to sacrifice to make this a reality. In Christ and in your marriage. And if you don't, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss out on God's great blessing. You're better together. But it takes the power of God to do it. So this morning, I want to invite you to ask Christ to do what only He can do. To ask Christ to make your marriage this, to make your relationship with Him this, to make your future marriage this. And if you will, it will be well with your soul. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Oh, I wish we had more, but this is enough that we can know how it is we, you have called us to live. And so, Lord, now, as we have opportunity to sing a confession that speaks to what you have done and are doing, I pray that we will be found faithful in your grace and your goodness. And I pray, oh God, that, that the picture of, of this sacrifice will be made alive in our relationship with you and in our relationships as husbands and wives. God, hear those who are praying for needs, praying for your power, praying for new life in you. And God, do a work that, that only you can do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this. You're welcome to come and pray as you want to.